you're a mom who loves herself as much as she loves her kids, or wants to remember how to, you are my people. This is your place. There's a reason that you found this podcast, and I can't wait to connect with you. My name is Jill, and I'm an entrepreneur turned life coach who helps moms transform their lives and up-level into the woman that they know they are, that they once were, and that they want to be again. My secret sauce is taking traditional development tools and curating them into a format that actually works for working moms. No BS. You'll hear from both myself and some rockstar guests. We chat about everything from mom guilt to manifestation, female empowerment to productivity, from habits to goal setting, and we do it all in 30 minutes or less because you're busy. So if you're ready to live into your potential, learn and grow with a sassy, sometimes sweary friend who tells it like it is, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Grow Like a Mother podcast. I'm so excited today to have Dr. Laura Hayes with me. Uh, Dr. Laura is a distinguished and board certified emergency physician. So first off, wow. Uh, But she's also a dynamic speaker and a podcaster and a certified coach. So she's a super busy and accomplished lady. Um, And her extensive experience as an emergency physician, coupled with her experience in yoga and coaching, really offers a unique perspective on well-being and on leadership. And, um, you know, today we're here chatting about something that's specifically impacting us mamas right now, which is burnout. And so, Dr. Laura's practices really focus a lot on body awareness, how breathing and meditation and physical postures can alleviate symptoms of common ailments, as well as the science behind it all. And today we're talking about strategies to prevent burnout and how cultivating a strong mind-body connection can really be a powerful tool in preventing burnout and just enhancing um, overall wellness. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's great to meet you. Yeah, you as well. And I'd love to hear, it's so interesting to me to find people who are like science brain, but then also holistic and um, who actually sort of give the time of day to things like breathing and meditation and yoga. And so how did you kind of like merge these two worlds? <laughs> That's a great question. So I I guess it starts somewhat long ago, but I'll keep the story brief. When I first decided to be a physician and was going through medical school and all the uh, difficulties of residency and training and things, there was certainly a need for me to just be able to find ways to manage my stress. And it's a very stressful time, as you can imagine, of trying to be up all kinds of hours of the night. It was probably actually in retrospect, now that I say it, a good prep for being a parent, but we can get to that. Um, But, you know, really just being able to manage my own stress during that time in order to truly, in order just to get through it and be successful and make it to the end. So I started practicing yoga even before medical school. When I was in college, I started practicing and then eventually got certified and started teaching. And It served as really kind of a life raft for me throughout my training. So it was always really just a part of who I was. And again, was that little outlet for me to stay connected with myself, to decrease my stress, to have a way to just decompress from all of the, all of the things that were weighing on me from a career and professional standpoint. So it kind of has been there holding my hand nicely over these last 20, 25 years of my life of just being a big part of who I am. And I started to incorporate it more into my own medical practice 
after having lots of conversations with patients over the years about their stress levels, their endless to-do lists, their anxiety, or maybe how panic attacks would show up for them suddenly and having conversations around how their daily practices and how one thing in their life affects the other. So it's not just about your stress, but it's also about your sleep and your nutrition and what you're putting into your mind and your body that makes a difference in how you can mitigate the effects of some of these chronic disease states or even avoid some of them altogether. So I guess to summarize, I would say the yoga mind-body connection was something that I found on my own years ago and then really recognized the benefits of it when I sort of needed it and needed to grab onto it to help me cope and to manage. And then now I've found this really nice way to kind of blend the two together, which really feels aligned with my purpose and what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. So it's a great feeling. Yeah. Well, you're doing some amazing work and it's so inspiring to see all of the the sort of um, good that can come out of really taking both pieces of your life and creating this um, really special way of helping people. That's not, not all doctors are doing this, right? And not all um, yoga instructors and people who are focused on the holistic thing know the science behind the reason why it works. So you're coming from a really unique perspective, which is super cool. And I also find it really interesting that we all have this like, we've all experienced the problem that we're helping people with. Like you went through all the stress and the the burnout in medical school, which is why you're so good at it now helping people because you helped yourself first, right? That's always the way it goes. Um, I want to focus a little bit on the sort of stress management side right now, because I'm, I'm heading into, um, you know, we've already had our Thanksgiving in Canada, but you guys have yours coming up. But like more than half my listeners are in the States. So they're in the same situation. Thanksgiving is coming. Christmas is coming. Hanukkah is coming. Like it is busy and the kids are getting squirrely at school. And um, that energy comes back into the household. And I personally am finding myself being more easily triggered. I'm feeling a lot more tired, but um I can't seem to catch up on rest. So I imagine many of the moms listening are in that same boat with no real end in sight till January. And it's like, whoa, how do we, what do we do? So um, can you give us an idea of like, A, why is this so crazy? And also like, what are some things that we can do that are quick and easy or at least manageable in our day to start to get a handle on this? Oh, big question, but I'm sorry. No, but I like it. I mean, I guess I would start by saying first in general, and I think there's always caution when you're generalizing things, but I think it's appropriate here in general, when you're considering at least in heterosexual couples and families, the mom, the female person in that couple is generally the primary caregiver. We just are. And there's a lot of even science behind that, how how we handle things emotionally versus men. And we don't need to get into that. But the bottom line is we're the one. We are, we're the person who is in charge of everything. We handle our own schedules. We handle the kids' schedules. We have to respond to the birthday party invitations. We have to get the groceries. We have to do the laundry. We make sure because we care and we're the caregiver, we make sure that everyone else is okay first and everyone's needs are handled. And that goes for the holidays, you know, prepping the house, prepping the presents, everything is, falls on our shoulders. And that's not to discredit our partners. I happen to be extremely lucky and grateful. I have an amazing husband who he calls himself Mr. Laundry Guy. He 
loves, I say he loves doing laundry. I don't think he loves it, but he does it. But he really is super helpful for all of these things. But even despite all of these things that he helps with, it is still mountains and mountains and mountains of responsibility on me. And I imagine that's how a lot of women feel. And I, I meet a lot of women, a lot of my friends, the women that I coach, um, you know, we, there's no question that there is a lot on us all the time. And we can fall victim to that in the sense that we have this feeling often, and again, I include myself by saying we, we have this feeling that all of these things are just happening to us. We're on this constant, fast treadmill of our lives, and we can't seem to hit the pause button. We can't seem to get off of it, and we can't slow things down. So we sort of just grin and bear it for these few months of the year, for example, until it's over. Instead of really being present and enjoying these times with our families and showing ourselves some grace and some self-compassion and some forgiveness to say, you know what, does it really matter if I have all of the matching decorations for the Thanksgiving dinner? Or if, you know, if we do every single tradition for Christmas that we did every year before this, like, does that really matter? And I guess for me, at least the answer most of the time is no, it doesn't. Uh, you know, what, what your children want likely is a mom who is present who is there, who is happy and joyful. And, you know, as, as that primary caregiver, we, you know, not to add more responsibility to us, but we are sort of responsible for setting the tone for the, for the family. I mean, you can imagine, I'm sure where you think of times where you are in a terrible mood, you are irritable, you're pissed off, you're just, you're spent, you're exhausted, whatever it may be. And sort of by the end of the day or the end of the evening, it's like the whole family is in that state. <laughs> and it's not, it's not to blame you. It, it goes for the kids too. If your kids just kind of having a real rough day, you know, it's like it just, that energy just spreads, it's contagious and it spreads to everyone else in the family. So, well, gosh, what would help be the antidote for that is maybe spreading some more positive energy. And a lot of that starts with, again, us acknowledging that we don't have to save the world every day, acknowledging that we're human too, and we have needs and we have desires and we have things that need to be fulfilled for us in order to be our best selves. And when you can start putting yourself first, even just a little bit, even just for a small portion of your day and of your time, then you will start to see that there are some positive effects for all those around you too. And those other things in your life seem to just be a little bit more tolerable, a little bit more manageable, that the treadmill isn't moving so fast at warp speed all the time, that there is a way to kind of slow it down and hit the pause button every once in a while. Yeah. And it's so like, it can start with that mindset shifts, kind of acknowledging like, okay, I am consciously going to be giving myself this grace, being more present, trying to stay in more positive energy, and then things physically change. Is that sort of what we're talking about when we say, mind body connection can you break that sort of phrase down a little bit for us happy to so mind body connection it's such a it's a great phrase because it it is exactly what it sounds like it summarizes that your mind is in constant communication with your physical body through neurotransmitters chemicals that re get released from the brain and then travel down to other organ systems in your body and then the body the physical body is also constantly communicating back with the mind so there is no way to separate the two. They are constantly speaking to one another. They're constantly sending each other signals. 
And the really amazing thing about being human is that these things are happening automatically in the background all the time. But the other cool thing about being human is even though they're happening automatically, we do have the power to change them and to modify their effects and to, to really manipulate the system if we understand how to do that. And we take the time to listen and acknowledge what our body and mind is telling us to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's sometimes the hardest part is the slowing down and listening, right? That's something I talk a lot about intuition and people ask like, well, how do you turn into your intuition? And it's always just get quiet. Like you need to give yourself space to listen, but that's the same concept with listening to your body, right? Your body's going to always try and tell you what it needs, but you have to, you have to pay attention. (laughs) So so what are some of the things that you find like common with your clients that they come to you with, with maybe unexplained problems, or if they don't know quite what's wrong, like what are some of the symptoms that you see that my listeners might be able to like identify with and say, oh, maybe I need to start listening? Yeah, sure. Well, it, it when you ask that question, it makes me think of this amazing quote that one of my friends said to me once. And I bring this quote up all the time with my clients and my, uh, my other friends and people, anyone who will listen, is we were riding our bikes. We were cycling one day and she, I just kind of said, you know, how's everything going? And she said, gosh, Laura, I just, she says, I, I just feel like nothing in my life is a hundred percent right now. Like, I just feel like I am pulled in a thousand different directions, but I'm not doing any of them a hundred percent. And it really struck me as, you know, wow, that's a great summary statement because I bet there are thousands millions of other women out there who feel that same way. And I certainly have felt that way at times where you do feel like your attention is being pulled in a million different directions. It's, you know, there's constantly someone tugging on your shirt that needs something from you. Everybody needs something from you all, all the time. And you're trying to do your best. You're trying to put some attention toward your fitness and your nutrition, and you're trying to get a good night's sleep and you're trying to be mindful. And maybe you try to meditate or you go to yoga, but you feel like I'm trying to do all these things, but none of them are really working. They're all sort of half-assed, so to speak. And so again, I, I say that to acknowledge that it's a super common feeling And, um, so you're not alone if you're feeling that way. Number one, number two, the first step that I recommend to people is you do have to just take that pause and I call it taking inventory, just take a moment and take inventory of your life. And you can ask yourself sort of three questions. The first is pausing and saying, okay, how do I feel right now? And that means literally, how do you feel physically? Are your shoulders shrugged up by your ears? Are you having neck pain? Do you have a bunch of tightness in your back? Do you feel all crunked up with stress and tension? So again, just at, just acknowledging it and then not judging it, not saying like, ah, oh, geez, I'm so stressed out. Just saying, okay, this is how I feel non-judgmentally. This is my physical space and how I'm feeling right now. And even mentally, you know, how emotionally, how am I feeling these days? Am I Am I labile? Am I irritable? Am I angry all the time? Or am I feeling pretty happy right now? So just kind of a check-in. Okay. So that's number one. How do I feel in this moment? How do I feel? And then the next thing is what's really stressing me out? What's sucking my soul or really pulling me away from being my best self or from managing my life successfully right now? Can I identify like one or two or three things that maybe 
are hurting me right now. And I just need to figure out a way to let go of those things. Mm -hmm. And then third is what do I want or what do I need right now? And where do I want my, you know, where do I want this to go from here? So it's, again, it's like, how do I feel physically, emotionally, just a check-in and then are there things in my life that are hurting me or harming me and not helping my greater purpose right now? What are those things? And then the third step being, okay, what, what do I want and need though? And it helps you to just sort of, it's a very personal act or personal practice to do that mindful check-in. But I also think that it allows you to have a little bit of a more objective view, almost like a fly on the wall of just looking at your, your situation, your current role, your current life and saying, okay, how can we engineer things to just be a little bit better right now? So once you've kind of taken that inventory, well, then you say, well, what do I do? You know, a lot of women, myself included, feel like, well, okay, let's say I want to add more fitness, or I want to be more mindful, or I want to add meditation, whatever the thing is, well, I don't even have time to do that. I don't even have time to go to the bathroom without my kids' little fingers underneath the door and saying like, mommy, mommy, you know, constantly vying for your attention. Well, to that, I say, you know, again, first acknowledge that, that you want this or you need this. And then give yourself permission to start exploring what that's like and just start simple. It doesn't have to be some big act of, okay, I'm going to go join the gym and start going to a fitness class every day. When we give ourselves a goal and it feels like an additional task on our to-do list, we are not going to be successful at that goal. I mean, none of us are. So instead of making it feel like a, a something you have to do, a task that you need to check off, make it be, be, have it become part of your daily practice in your daily life and something that you enjoy. And a lot of times starting simple, as I mentioned, is the way to go with that. You know, you're just if, pick the thing that you want to start with. Just take the first step. Maybe it's, I'll say, for example, maybe it's your, it's your fitness. That's a common one that a lot of moms, especially say, look, I just, I don't have time to do the things that I want to do. I'd love to go to the gym or I'd love to work out. I'd love to go for a run, but I don't even have time to do that. So maybe you just commit to a set amount of time, maybe that's 20 minutes. And you just say, I'm going to commit to 20 minutes a day, moving my body. And I tell this to my clients all the time. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It can be 20 minutes of walking. It can be 20 minutes of stretching. It can be dancing with your kids, jumping on the trampoline, running around, playing tag in the yard. It doesn't matter. Just pick the time and commit to it and just call it physical movement. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to get it perfect every day, but you know, some days maybe you'll enjoy what you're doing and you'll do 40 minutes or an hour of it. And if you miss a day or two, again, that's where that grace and self-compassion comes up where you say, I'm not going to beat myself up about this. I'm human. It's not a big deal. I'll just do it again tomorrow. Right. So many good things um, <laughs> from that. Thank you. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I want to make sure people heard you say was take it in small steps. Like you don't have to go from zero to 60 right away. And expect that of yourself because that's not that's not realistic. And we're not going to, like you said, we're not going to achieve our goal if we set up these unrealistic expectations. So starting small, bringing the kids into it, not taking necessarily any extra time out of your day, but working it into things you're already doing, like dancing with the kids. You're already spending time with the kids. Incorporate movement, right? And then that's also really great for the kids to see you prioritizing yourself. They're going to get used to that. And then- it'll be easier for you to detangle yourself from them if if you get more time and say, hey, 
mom's going to go for her run, you know, and then they're used to seeing mom being active or whatever, which is so cool. Um, and I also really loved how you touched on everything being really personal, you know, it doesn't need to be, um, you, you need to check in and see what's going on with you, not necessarily what's going on with your friend or what's going on with the person you listen to online, like check in with your own self, because even though you hear everyone complaining about mom guilt, maybe you don't actually have mom guilt. Maybe you have something else that other people aren't talking about. And so being able to identify that is super important. Um, and one thing that I, that I also want to point out that I want to get your um, ideas on is things that we can do when maybe other people don't need to know that we're doing it, like breathing exercises, like mindfulness, right? Can you give us some examples of like a breathing exercise that we could we could do that can help us sort of de-escalate and regulate in a moment, but then nobody really needs to know we're doing it. It doesn't need to be a big deal, but it's a tool in our pocket. Yes, for sure. That's my favorite tool that's in our pocket. And, you know, <clears throat> again, back to that mind-body connection and acknowledging that we can manipulate it. The easiest tool that we all have at our disposal all the time is using our breath. And, you know, sometimes I I'll say this to patients in the emergency department, we'll talk about breathing exercises. And I feel like they kind of look at me like, oh, this is a little woo. I don't know what she's talking about, but the bottom line is there is science to back all of this up. I mean, tapping into your breath, stimulating your parasympathetic nervous system, slowing the system down truly does mitigate those effects of that acute stress response. So as you mentioned, the, my favorite exercise to do and what I'll often share with clients, I do it myself, is a very simple breathing exercise where you can do, there, there are two, but I'll summarize probably my favorite one. And that is, you can call, some people call it five, six, seven breathing, five, seven, eight breathing. It doesn't matter. Just pick a number that will resonate with you that you'll remember. So I like five, six, seven, because it's the easiest thing to remember. And you can do this in the grocery line when you're kid is having a complete meltdown and a tantrum and you're feeling embarrassed and, and you can feel yourself getting sweaty and your heart rate going up and your mind starts racing and you are feeling overwhelmed in that acute moment. You just stand there and you breathe in for a count of five, you hold your breath for a count of six and you breathe out for a count of seven. And you do that maybe five, six or seven times. And by the end of that, you will feel different. You will be calmer. There's no, if you can commit to it, there's no question that you will feel calmer in that moment. And I like that because people can be looking at you. You can be just in front of anybody and nobody has to know that you're doing that. Um, so, so I like that five, six, seven breathing. There's a lot of different breathing techniques. I mean, honestly, if you can't even remember that, or you're so overwhelmed in the moment that you're like, I can't even, I don't even remember what she said. I, I can't count right now. Then just like literally stopping, pausing, breathing in and out. And I'll tell people sometimes just visualize the numbers and count to 20. So you just breathe in, visualize the number one, breathe out number two, in three, out four, and so on until you get to 20. And just that act of taking those deep intentional breaths, but then being mindful in the process of taking them. So thinking about the number, visualizing it in your mind, that also helps to stimulate that parasympathetic system. And again, you can just be standing there doing it and no one will have any idea as to I, what you're doing. So yeah, those, those are probably, I would say the most helpful and, and, you know, you're not going to get it right every time you may have to do three rounds or you may have to practice this, you know, when it comes to breath work and, mindfulness, the key word there is practice. Yes, these little things will help you in that moment and they're great tools for when you need them acutely. 
but they're going to help you even more if you find time to practice them at times when you don't need them acutely. So what I mean by that is maybe incorporating some breath work into your day, whether it's just in the morning while you're still lying in bed, right before you step out of bed and your feet hit the ground, you've done three rounds of five, six, seven breathing, just to see what it feels like, just to practice. And then when you really need it and you're in that acute moment, you don't even really have to think about it. Your body can call upon that tool as, okay, I'm recognizing right now that there's something happening here. There's some, some emotional threat going on. I'm feeling kind of revved up. Let me pull on that tool that I've been practicing now for the last few weeks. And, and now it, it has an even greater effect on, on helping you get through that moment. And does it have almost a cumulative effect too in just sort of like calming the, the parasympathetic nervous system? If you do it in moments that aren't high stress, if you can just sort of like stay in that calm, um, relaxed kind of state based on your breathing, does that build up and like compound? Or is it more just like the practice so that you recognize, okay, I can ac access it easily when I need it? That's a great question. I don't know the scientific answer to that. I would say it's likely more the latter though, that the more you practice it, the more you're, again, all those things are connected, right? All these signals are going back and forth all the time. So your, your insides are so, so smart and sophisticated that if you're practicing it, it's going to recognize that, that start point a lot more quickly when you start utilizing it. And you're just going to get so much better at it with practice that it's not going to take two full rounds. In other words, it's not gonna take two full rounds for you to start feeling the effects. It's going to start, you're gonna start feeling the effects after that first initial breath that you're taking, your body's going to go, Oh, wait a minute. I recognize what she's doing here. <laughs> she's activating the calming system and I'm going to help her out. Cause I know what this is. And I recognize this. Yeah. yeah so cool. Um, I can just imagine all of the wealth of knowledge and wisdom that you have to share with people. Um, and I know that you have so many like resources and you're, you've got a website and a podcast and socials. Like where can people continue to learn from you and connect with you if they want to dive a bit deeper? Uh, thank you for letting me provide that information for you. Yeah. So we do have a podcast, which um, we talk a lot about various health and well-being topics. We uh, interview other doctors sometimes and just um, so lots of different topics on there. It's called Lasting Impact Wellness, and it's on anywhere you get your podcasts. And then we do have a website, which is the same, lastingimpactwellness.com and our social media. I have to admit, we're not... I'm not huge on social media, so I'm trying. It's a little out of my comfort zone, but um, we're, you know, we're trying to at least be a little more present there so that people know kind of how they can connect with us. And certainly if someone sends me a message on there, then we respond to those. Um, and then the last thing I'll just draw your attention to for your listeners, if you'll allow me a minute to just um, share with them and something that we offer at Lasting Impact, which I think may be of interest is um, it's a kind of my little side baby, pun intended, for, and it's for moms and it's called Changing Grace. And it's a six week, you get eight weeks actually out of it, but it's a six weeks uh, interactive virtual online sort of program that really highlights the grit and grace that it takes to be a mom. And the whole point of it is for mothers to be able to discover better well-being from a place of strength, 
self-confidence and self-compassion. And um, there is an online community that you become a part of. There are meditations included. And then there's just a lot. It's a lot about all the different aspects of well-being and thinking about self-awareness and self-compassion and looking at things like guilt and resentment and expectations and comparisons, all the things that we as moms deal with. Um, so, and that's on the website, the next, the next opening available group we're going to have will be not till January actually, but yeah, look, I would say if they just look for me on social media, there'll be some more stuff about uh, that next round coming up too. And yeah. And I love just talking to people. I mean, this has been great. I love being on podcasts and having our own podcast just to be able to connect. And I mean, that's, that's the beauty of being alive is being able to connect with others and learn from anybody that you, that you meet. Yeah, we're so lucky to be able to have this technology to be able to do that, right? Even mm -hmm. so far apart. Um, but that program sounds like every mom needs to be a part of it. Um, <laughs> is there like a, a particular um, stage of motherhood that it works best for? Like, or just any mama, any kid age, whatever, it's all helpful. I would say... I I believe it's all helpful, honestly, for any age. It's it's really designed for that mom who, as I mentioned earlier, who feels maybe like they're overwhelmed and they're just not not quite giving a hundred percent to anything. And um, it's it's really a great space to meet other like-minded women who are going through things that you're going through. There are live sessions where you get the opportunity to really share with each other, and those are those are really fun. You just, you learn a lot just by hearing someone else's experience and, and women are very, they're very smart and we have a lot of wisdom to offer each other through our own personal experiences. So um, it's, it's just a really nice community to become a part of too. But yeah, I mean, I really, again, I think any stage of life, I don't, gosh, I don't know any mom out there who really feels like she's got it all. <laughs> she's got it all handled. And, um, I certainly don't. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of really good, uh, self work, uh, over the weeks. It's a lot. It's, it's some, there's some heavy stuff in there and there may be some tears shed even, but, um, it's, it can be really enlightening, um, for women and, and you get to the end of it and you feel different for sure. I love that. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to check that out. Thanks for sharing that. I'm really glad that you did. I think that'll be a really good resource for many of the moms listening because we all feel like that. None of us is out here being like, oh no, I'm good. I don't need any help. I mean, we do say that, but we don't mean it. You know, like nobody's actually <laughs> all good. So thank you again so much for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and to talk with you as well. Thanks so much. Oh my gosh, before we get into the episode though, I just want to tell you my book is available for pre-sale on amazon.com, amazon.ca, Amazon in the UK, all the Amazons. And also, if you're in the States, Barnes & Noble. Uh, I am so excited that this is a thing. I didn't know that pre-sale was like a, a thing that would happen and it's so helpful for the book to get sales before launch day. Um, if anyone's interested or if you're part of the launch team and you um, are going to be buying a book anyways, go ahead and, and do your pre-order now. Um, check it out. Share it, with, share it with your network. I would absolutely love to get this book into as many hands as possible. Um, and it'll just automatically ship to you as soon as the launch date comes. So please feel free to check it out. I wrote this book for you. And honestly, it's right in time for the holidays. So if it's something you want to put on your list or if it's something you want to 
gift to your best friend, your sister, your mom, your teachers, your graduating high school student, whoever, this book, guys, I'm so proud of it. And I know you're going to love it. So thank you for your support. It's been honestly incredible. And I'm so just grateful at, at the community that this is. So check it out. Happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise by Jill Wright. Look it up on wherever you buy books. If you're a chapters indigo gal like I am, I'm working on that, but it's going to take a little bit of time. So for now, Amazon and Barnes and Noble are your places. Um, thank you. Thank you. Now here's the episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning into the Grow Like a Mother podcast this week. You can find more great tips, motivation, inspiration, and community on Instagram and Facebook at Grow Like a Mother on both platforms. And if you enjoyed today's show and wish that you had found it sooner, I invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening. Doing so really helps promote the show to other moms just like you who want to grow and level up in their lives. And if you want to stay connected by email, I invite you to sign up for the email list by visiting the website, which is www.livingwithheart.ca, or diving into the free five-part video series that I recorded just for you. You can find all of the links and the details in the show notes. Until next week, keep on growing like a mother. Thank you.